welcome to another edition of Look Who's Talking, chat and discussion keeping you up to date with the life of Christchurch New Malden. I'm Anna Larkin and here on the show this month I have regular Stephen Kurt. Hello. And Nathan Larkin. Hey there. Plus our special guest for this month, Curate of Christchurch, Luke Wickings. Hello. In this month's show we've got another whole set of varied subjects that we'll be talking about. As well as our usual look at the preaching programme, this time for July, we'll be talking about the most dramatic local event for a while, the recent New Malden flood and the havoc it caused. We will also be talking about the forthcoming charity auction and dinner at Christchurch to raise funds for the Emoja Street Child Trust, and we'll be unveiling an exciting new monthly event soon to be launched on Friday evenings. Finally, we'll be talking about the important issue of how the church handles, or should handle, the issue of divorce and remarriage. But let's start first with the New Malden flood, which happened two Thursdays ago. The um, great flood of New Malden. <laughs> it started in the evening and went on into the night. I think they finally shut the flood down at about half past one in the morning. Was it really? Or two o'clock, something like that. But it was a burst water main. And, um, and the man from Thames Water who came down to speak to us said it was a 30-inch pipe. He wow. said a small child could crawl through it. So that's, that's a lot of water. <laughs> Perhaps that's what it was a lot of water. <laughs> <laughs> so there have been lots of photos, especially on Facebook and Twitter and things like that. It was a spectacular sight, and uh, there was a massive lake. The bikes that were parked um, under, the, under the bridge by the station were completely totally underwater. Totally submerged, yeah. wasn't it? Complete lake. Um, so fortunately, nobody was harmed, um, as far as I'm aware, but um, lots of businesses have suffered, and of course, one of our own buildings <laughs> suffered yeah. as well. Um, but uh, Stephen, if I come to you first, when did you become aware of the flood, and how do you feel it's affected Christchurch? Yep, well, it was a Thursday evening, and we were here doing the Simply Christian course, which we're doing at the moment with sort of leaders, preachers of Christchurch coming together uh, to do this course on Thursday evenings. And uh, basically, people were rushing in saying, have you seen it? Have you seen it? And um, news of this great flood that really sort of came from nowhere, completely yeah. covered, as you people say, the under in late as they, they did. I, I nearly didn't get there. Because then um, there was a car crash in the groves because of everyone was diverting oh, through the other way, so I got that. stuck on Chestnut I mean, Road. basically, it did get into the parish halls, uh, which are now temporarily out of action. Unfortunately, the recording equipment, which we bought to do Look Who's Talking, and we've used the last two editions, uh, has now been soaked with water, so hopefully... We're back sitting in the church. We're back sitting in the church <laughs> with our microphones because of the flood. Um, but Thames Water, actually, I've been very impressed by so far. They were in first thing the next morning on Saturday, on the yeah. Friday morning. We had a wedding that day. We had Tom Parker's wedding to Olivia Rolfe. So mm. it was, you know, all action stations on this wedding beginning at noon. Um, but we had Thames Water came in and set to work straight away on trying to put the parish halls right. So mm. hopefully uh, we're going to be put right, and hopefully the businesses in New Morden and people's homes that are affected uh, are going to get the, uh, the compensation that they, yeah. you know, they deserve. Yeah. I mean, the way David described it to me, who he, he kind of... David put, Taylor. Yeah, David Taylor, the way he's seen it first, first that hand. Um, he said that from the front door, no, from the back door to the front, it was actually flowing. It wasn't just that the water was sitting <laughs> in it. There was a river running through the parish halls. But, of course, the youth were particularly affected by this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, I think we're in there. 
every night of the week except for a Thursday. So, um, yeah, uh, it, it's been interesting. Um, I was challenged to uh, Ian Bond put on Facebook if Stephen Kurt doesn't weave it into his sermon on Sunday morning. He's got the great <laughs> topical preacher. I thought it was. Well, my dad was preaching because it was Father's Day, so I didn't have the opportunity. Oh, that's a cop talk out. About Noah or things like that. Yeah, that's yeah. right. God's judgment on New Malden. Yeah, well, I think that could have been <laughs> what it was. You know. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> youth work-wise, it is going to be uh, it's going to be an interesting couple of months because yeah. I think it will be. Uh, it will be fortunate to get it back up and running in, by September. Actually, I think yeah. the halls um, going to need new carpets throughout. Some of the furniture was damaged. Yeah. Some of the kitchen might even have been damaged. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, it's, yeah. I'm it's, going up um, to the Royal Oak in the next few days to ask to try and cut a deal for climbers to use the upstairs <laughs> of the Royal Oak during the Sunday morning service so yeah it, i mean these things um i think they always just provide opportunities to think outside the box a little bit so positive way of seeing it yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and luke you got trapped the other side of the flood didn't you on the night it happened you didn't I did, make it yeah. to simply christian did you i, I couldn't I, I got to the flood you should have swum tried to, <laughs> i wasn't gonna swim i can assure you <laughs> tried to drive around it but it, i i couldn't work so out was it just around. massive congestion then it like? was massive con congestion i think i made the mistake of turning right and followed the railway line along that way, but uh, I couldn't <laughs> find a way back, so I'm afraid I missed that. Yeah. Where's mm -hmm. Moses when you need him? Indeed, if I had a stop, <laughs> that's all I needed. Yeah. Well, obviously, we don't really, you know, we don't really get that much flooding here. And definitely, that was quite a severe flood for New Malden. Yeah. Um, and even in the UK, you know, a few years ago, we had some significant flooding. But it's, yeah. we're really, really fortunate that it's not something we have to worry about. And obviously, in other countries, it's, it's a constant dread, really, yeah. um, yes. each time the, the flooding season comes around. So I think it, it was a lesson to all of us in, a, in appreciating that we don't need to worry about it. And... Um, yeah. yeah, that we, we're quite Well, fortunate. I remember going to Mozambique in 2000. There were terrible floods over the sort of Christmas of 1999-2000. And I visited a refugee camp uh, on the outskirts of Maputo shortly after the floods and saw people displaced, their lives yeah. totally mm. messed up. And yeah. was I have to say, I was totally impressed by the yeah. courage that they showed yeah. uh, in the face of it. But yes, you're right. It's a small glimpse for us of what other people deal with on a much larger scale. And we don't face the sanitation issues, do we? Oh, that they, you know, quite often yeah. flooding means disease, doesn't yeah. it? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. Mm. And often, in after really awful flooding, um, it can take years for them to rebuild all yes. the lost yeah. infrastructure as well, can't it? Yeah. it really, you've got to start from scratch. Whereas we're worried about getting the halls open for September again. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, um, yeah. Yeah. Insurance, all these things. You know, we're very blessed. Yeah. Well, that brings us on to our next topic, which, um, which is, is not really to do with the flooding, but it's to do with the plight of people um, who live on the other side of the world from here. Um, the Umoja Street Child Trust. So we're coming up soon. We've got a charity meal and an auction. That's on Saturday, the 11th of July, to raise money. And Luke, you are going out to Kenya, aren't you? I am, and I'm very excited about it in August, going out for two weeks. My daughter Hannah's going out for three months. She's been a number of times before. Okay. Uh, working with street children in Mombasa. And again, it's, it's such a lesson to us about how privileged we are mm. when you see these kids living on the street. It's a violent place, of course, to live on the street. Uh, it's not safe. They are subject to abuse of all sorts by gang leaders and by people passing by and by each other to a degree. And so the Emoji Street Child Trust are, are working to try to bring hope and a better life to these kids. 
Yeah. So I think it's a fantastic project to be working with, and I'm very much looking forward to going out there. And how, how does it actually do that, Luke? I mean, what's the typical sort of work they do with these um, with the children who, you know, are on the streets? There are two things that they do. Firstly, street work. Once a week, go on the street, uh, take bread, because just food is an issue for some of these kids, um, and take very basic medicines, uh, medical wipes, plasters, because, again, cutting your feet is oh, a big yes. issue. Yeah. Um, but that's as much as they can do really medically. Um, but just to show that somebody cares for you. Yeah. Mm. And then gradually they build relationships with some of these kids, and then when they feel it's appropriate, they've got a, a small centre there where they will take them in, uh, pay their school fees, get them into school, teach them Christian truth, uh, really help them to restore their lives. Obviously, sometimes the kids run away. Yeah. Um, sometimes you try to restore them to their families because they're not all actually orphans necessarily. Um, but that, that's the second part, is the centre. Yeah. And uh, that's particularly where our money will go, to fund the centre, which of course has rent, staffing costs, utilities, food for the boys. Yeah. They need school fees, school uniforms. So in fact, there's quite a lot of ongoing expenses to do that. But it really is that second stage is where you're working with boys and trying to help them to have their lives transformed. One I mean, thing, yeah. sorry. Well, I mean, just to say, one of the things that made an impact on me was when you talked in church about glue sniffing yes. being a big problem. Because I remember 25, 30 years ago in this country, people talked about glue sniffing yeah. you know, as an issue. But you never hear about it now. No, no. You don't. And it suddenly, it almost really captured the poverty issue, really, of, of people and doing something so awful. And it's just a desperate attempt to alleviate the pain. Yeah. That's really all it is. Yeah, it's but it's also a means of control, I'm afraid. The gang leaders will give them these, you see them with these little plastic bags with glue in, and they're desperate to get it. And uh, these beggars on the street have to give their money to the gang leaders. They don't necessarily keep it themselves. People who are giving money to these poor kids think they're helping them, but sometimes they're not. So yes, the glue sniffing, the gang life, uh, it's, it's a tough old world to be in. Yeah. I mean, I think you were talking there about the costs, um, but the thing that I um, was impressed by, I guess it, it makes sense that it's not going to cost the same as here, but quite what you get for your money that's donated to that is, is unbelievable. It is unbelievable. You're right. Five pounds will feed a child for a month, you know. Yeah. 40 yeah. pounds, this is the one that always gets me, will send a child to school for a whole term. Yeah. yeah. A whole term. It's fantastic, isn't it? And that's something that we can do and know that that's really helping a child to uh, have a better, better future. Yeah. Kids are desperate for education in there and, of course, throughout Africa. They see it as a way of giving themselves better chances for the future. Mm. So tell us about the meal then, the meal and the auction that are happening on the 11th of July and, um, and how we can get involved. What can we do to help? Well, we, my, my goal really was to raise £2,000 and I'm confident that we'll do that. Um, we are hoping for 100 people to come along and a, a ticket is £20. For that, you get a three-course meal and a drink. Um, uh, but £10 of that £20 is, is profit. Oh. So uh, that's straight away £10 that is going to make a, a, a real difference to Emoja. Um, and then we've also got this auction. So people are donating items that we can offer for auction. And we've got some fantastic things, by the way. A holiday in Alicante. Wow. People will come and do your gardening for you. 
babysitting, yeah. um, a sat-nav for your car. There's some amazing Cheryl Floyd's gifts. making a cake. We, we went to a wedding recently, didn't we, Anna and myself, yes. where she made the most spectacular yeah. wedding cake of all time, really, for, for Tracy yeah, Borman and Tom Ashworth. It didn't taste good, it tasted cakes. And she's making a cake for this yeah. occasion as well, so that's great. The, one of the ones that re really, um, I've seen a few things up on the board, but it was actually one of the girls that, that comes to Girls Night In. Um, really yep. impressed me because her and her mum have yeah. uh, offered to babysit once a month for a year. And that's incredible. Which Isn't is, that you know, and, I, yeah. and what I love is the when I heard why, it, yeah. it was, um, because actually um, the lady who's offered to do this had, had been having a conversation with someone about how much yeah. um, in their friend's marriage taking a one night a month out to go for a date night made an enormous difference in their marriage. And um, yeah, I, I just thought that she thought, she, well, she thought this is a lovely idea that she can help a couple to yeah, have a yeah. date night once yeah. a month. And, and so, yeah, yeah, if you're out there and you want and a date night a once cause. a month. And all for a good cause. Absolutely. You know, you can, you can get a babysitter, help, uh, help a good cause and yep. uh, help your um, marriage. It yeah. sounds like a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> your young people are going to be waiters and waitresses. Yes. Which is fantastic as well. Yeah. So it, they're, they're helping. Yep. So there's all sorts of different ways that people can help. Uh, and, and contribute to this all. So you're doing well at the moment on yep. the things that people have offered yes. uh, to give. Uh, doing okay on getting people to cook and all that sort of thing? Cooking is all sorted. I right. had a meeting on Monday night uh, with Jenny Copley at her place yep. and yep. that's all in hand. Yep. Um, a little slow on people actually buying tickets, so yep. that's, that's where we need to okay. really focus now. People are quite last minute We need that, people to actually come and ideally let me know they're coming. So says. if people want to buy tickets, how do they get hold of them? Well, they can grab me any Sunday. I'm here every service and here after every service with tickets. They can, of course, turn up on the night. Okay. But it, that makes catering a bit harder. Yeah. So it would help us to know that people are coming. But obviously, if anybody comes, we'll work it out. Yep. Great. Brilliant. Well, let's have a look what else we've got coming up in July. Um, we've got, in fact, the day after the auction on, on Sunday the 12th is Unity Sunday. Yep. Uh, so we've got a special United service at 10 o'clock. Uh, which always confuses people, I think. So. It does, yeah. You play with service times at your peril, really, um, <laughs> because it totally gets into people's head, which is sort of what we want, that yes. 9.30 on a Sunday morning is the night yeah. of service and so. But It might it, mean that the 9.30 crowd are on time for it, though. Yeah, no, they're not. No, those who know uh, that it's going to happen at 10 o'clock turn up at 10 past 10. <laughs> because, sure, you know, yeah. you have to be 10 minutes late for every service, or eight minutes at least. Uh, and then the others turn up, yeah, it's sort of 22.10. Um, so, um, if you show yeah. up at 11 o'clock, you'll have missed it. So. Well, and some always do. Some <laughs> yes. people walk in, oh. even if it's been said at every service, for, and they look rather aggrieved and oblivious. Um, but I think it is worth doing, because keeping us seeking to be one church altogether, which isn't just the three services, it's our grapevine community, it's our young people as well. Yep. So the aim is very much to... Um, have one Sunday in the year where we deliberately focus on trying to be together across all of our differences. Yeah. And we've got some good things happening. We've got Helena and Leandro Silvera, who are uh, professional musicians, come to the 9.30 service. They're doing a concert. Then we've got a picnic all together. We've got bring a historical item where people are going to bring, you know, their Edward the 
Yeah, I'm a bit worried about the historicalizing. What counts as historical? Well, you've got to dig up an unexploded bomb in your garden or something like that. <laughs> or, well, I just um, remembered before we started recording that Luke here's a Tottenham fan, but I'm thinking of bringing an Arsenal scarf from the FA Cup yeah. final last year where we became the team to have won the FA Cup more than <laughs> any you other could, team in you history. You can bring an Aussie art dealer. I'm, so I'm going off you very fast. So it should be good fun. And, we, and, and the latest on that actually is that we're going to uh, show the Wimbledon men's final on the big screen. Oh, yeah. And yeah, uh, so Katie Lofton's going to do cream tea. Yeah, she is. For that. So, so it should be a day of celebration. Plan to stick around. Yeah. No, no, Murray just has to get to the final. <laughs> yeah, well, I remember two years ago when he won, and my son James was having an appendicitis, and we were waiting for him to be taken down to the operating theatre, and we were watching the point where he was serving for the match, but they came and got him, you know, Aww. just that point. But, the, but then when he got down to the operating theatre, there was no one to do it, because they were watching the... <laughs> <laughs> so they eventually came in, told him that Murray had won, and then put him to sleep for his operation. Yeah, well, cool. hopefully it's finished as well by the time 6.30 starts, because we'll, we'll all you know, be waiting the TV. Just to... yeah. <laughs> well, let's have a look what else we've got coming up in July. Um, so, for the, in fact, for the whole month of July, we've got the same sermon series across all three services, which, are, which is quite unusual. We're going to be mm. looking at tricky New Testament passages. Uh, so that will be a challenge. Yeah. So some of the things we've got, we've got um, the rich man and Lazarus. Carolyn Lucas will be speaking on that. We've got Tim Davis on the need to hate mum and dad. <laughs> I wonder That's if he's invited personal, his that parents. Chris and Valerie, no. <laughs> um, we have got Ruth speaking on no forgiveness for those who blaspheme against the Holy Spirit. So that will be a tricky one. Yep. Rich um, people and camels and needles. And yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a, yeah that's me preaching on that. It's interesting because mm. I think a lot of people, when they think of a tricky part of the Bible, or you know, when someone says, oh, what about this? And they're expecting a question about the Bible, they often think it's going to be the Old Testament that yes. contains yep. the, you know, the most difficult bits. But there's plenty here that people struggle with, and I think it's really great to yeah. tackle it head on, to talk about it, you know, to say, what, what is this all about? And Yep, it's been um, directly inspired by a question from one of our teenagers, who happens to be uh, my oldest daughter, um, <laughs> who was reading Mark's Gospel and asked this question about, well, what does it mean when it says those who blaspheme against the Holy Spirit can never be uh, forgiven? And uh, it got me thinking of yeah. uh, all these passages where I mm. thought, well, we've got to deal with them, and we've yes. got to, we mustn't ignore them. Yep. Um, and actually, usually tricky stuff in the Bible, when we do uh, grapple with it, normally we can come away with something quite valuable. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Well, um, the, another exciting new thing we've got coming up in July um, is the Christchurch Cinema Club, which Indeed, is a brand yeah. new venture. Um, it will be on a Friday night, once a month, um, and the very first one is on Friday the 17th of July. Uh, so Nathan, tell us a bit about the Cinema Club. Okay. Um, I think, well, it was uh, both Anna and I um, kind of came up with the idea, maybe even more prompted by Anna. But, um, I mean, we, we love uh, going and uh, watching movies in random places. It's something that, you know, we, we'll, we'll go... Last year we went to Camden and they had an open-air cinema in Camden Lock out in the cobbled okay. streets or, you know, we've been to parks where they've put a big screen up in the middle of the park and uh, we've been to drive-in movies and we know that it's... And the, the underground vaults as well. In fact, yeah, we've... Waterloo. An, an, un, an unused underground station at Waterloo um, yeah. was showing a movie. And so, you know, sometimes new movies, sometimes classic movies and, and we realised that 
um, through talking to people. That's not just something that we like doing. That's something lots of people like doing. Um, and we know that at 6.30 especially, but here at Christchurch, we're always looking for new ways to build community. It can be so easy, as we were talking about with Unity Sunday, to kind of um, come along and, you know, do have a pick and mix sort of attitude to church. We'll take a little bit of that, a little bit of this, and but um, but we really want to build community. So we started with something that we thought people would want to come to, which is a cinema club. Um, but yeah, the idea really is that we come down, we watch a good movie, something hopefully thought provoking, um, something quite challenging, and and it does mean that. Not all movies are going to be for everyone, but um, but hopefully then it'll provoke discussion. We can hang around, we can yep. have a glass of wine, and we can chat about it after. Yep. I'm really excited about it because I think 6.30 in particular, recently, and we covered this on Look Who's Talking, we've drawn up a mission action plan for the church. Mm, yeah. Um, and we needed more sort of being built out of 6.30, and obviously this can be open to anyone to come to. But I think it should particularly attract people who come to the 6.30 service and perhaps be part of building more meaningful community mm. uh, amongst yeah. those who come to that. I yeah. think it's a great idea. And I'll, you know, look for... Like you, I love film. Oh, good. Uh, and uh, we'll really enjoy the chance to see a film and... Uh, What's your favourite film then, Luke? Oh, I'm afraid on things like Matrix. Right. Uh, yeah. Things like that is great. I think see, I'm more old films, you see. I know, yes. Uh, but, um, you just like Robin Hood. Like well, yeah, Robin Hood. Robin, I like Robin Hood films, but films <laughs> from the 30s and 40s are my, yeah. my particular. But, but I think what this is, as, as I understand it, aiming to do is very up-to-date sort of contemporary films. Um, and I've sort of promoted it at church as being sort of edgy but not dodgy. Yeah. Um, meaning really sort of... What I hope this is going to do is is be films that are going to really sort of stretch us a bit yeah. and get us to think a lot more deeply about... I mean, um, the first one you've picked, Anna, is um, Lars and the Real Girl, isn't it? Yeah, which Perhaps is one of to... my favourite films. Yeah, well, and why have you picked it? Um, because I think it is, um, it's a really wonderful look at the way that a church, even a church that is doing a lot of things wrong, um, can step in and do things right at a time when someone is going through a real crisis. It's about the difference that a very small church can make um, without, you know, a church that doesn't even have many, many resources. So I don't really want to give too much away about the yeah, film. Yeah, but it's interesting because actually at the core of that movie, given what we've talked about, is community. You know, yes. you see someone going through a crisis, yeah. Yeah. Um, mental health crisis, yeah. and a community that yeah. gets around him and kind of... I don't know, how, how would you put it, kind of um, support them? Makes difference. We better not yeah. give anyway too many more spoilers, because yeah. that's what people talk about, don't they? Spoilers <laughs> they when it comes it's to... It's also got Ryan Gosling in it, which um, always helps. That's <laughs> funny, yeah, isn't it? Well, because I, I don't think I've seen him in any other films, so I've only seen the trailer for this, and this fairly sort of gormless guy, so I'm quite surprised that people are sort of building him up as this... Hunk, yeah. This hunk, yeah. You have to yeah, see, see other yeah. films with him in. I'm probably going to watch The Notebook or something like right. that. No, I, yeah. I can't. Re- have you been living under a rock? How have you not seen any films <laughs> with Ryan Because well, I've been watching, you know, with films Robin with Hood. Betty Davis <laughs> and Clark Gable and things like that. I've been putting my time with those sort of films. <laughs> well, um, speaking of how the church can really get alongside someone and, and offer support in a time of need, I think we will we'll move on and talk about how the church handles or how the church ought to handle the issues of divorce and remarriage. 
Um, this, this is a, a tricky subject, and I think, you know, lots of churches perhaps get this wrong, um, but hopefully lots of churches get it right as well. Um, so, Stephen, if you could just start by giving us a bit of a, the background of, of the Church of England and divorce and remarriage. And yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about it is that the Church of England, of course, was formed because of a divorce. Uh, Henry VIII wanted to divorce Catherine of Aragon so he could marry Anne Boleyn. It was technically an annulment when it happened, but actually it was basically a divorce. Um, and that was why the Church of England came into being. Um, obviously, there were lots of other factors as well, but that was the, um, you know, the actual catalyst. Despite that, the Church of England's official stance for many years, uh, really throughout most of its history, has been not to approve of uh, remarriage after divorce. That was sort of the Church's official position, but because it was the law of the land that remarriage could take place, and because uh, clergy were able to do that, it was never actually able to say to its clergy, you will not do this. So there were people who would do the remarriage of people who'd previously been divorced in church. I, I right. know of times when it happened in the 1960s and 70s. Um, but the year 2000 was the crucial turning point in the Church of England when, after numerous attempts to pass legislation in general synod that would give an official approval to, under some circumstances, uh, remarriage being approved of by the church. It was only in the year 2000 that general synod then passed uh, the, the legislation or whatever it was okay. to say that actually the church was wanting to give its firm blessing to the remarriage of people who previously been divorced and had a spouse still living from a previous marriage under certain um, conditions. So what the Church of England then at that stage uh, published was guidelines for clergy. Um, and things like, um, are the, the, probably the most important one, uh, certainly in my thinking, is that if you're considering offering um, uh, another marriage to people who've already been married, um, were either of them involved in the breakup of the previous marriage? Right. And, and to me, that's quite an important criteria. I mean, I, I've, I've done six or seven remarriages here yeah. at Christchurch. Um, and it's a bit tricky because when a couple comes to see you who haven't got any issues of previous marriages, you don't ask them necessarily very searching I mean, questions yeah. about their past. Yeah. But you sort of do need to do that when a couple come who've been married before. And the thing that I always want to really make clear is that they haven't been having an affair and then, you know, and, and um, but I think it is right that, I mean, Christchurch for many years, uh, even since the year 2000, didn't um, do remarriages. And I got the PCC to vote uh, on this, and we discussed it. And there were quite strong opinions either way. But in, in the end, the PCC agreed uh, that you could uphold the importance of marriage. And uh, at the same time, uh, it, was, it was important to... Uh, to offer a you know, yeah, remarriage yeah. to those who sadly their first marriage had broken down. Mm. And do you find that when you, when you interview these couples, that do you feel they're quite upfront about uh, the circumstances? Well, I mean, yeah, how? Because obviously you're not, you're not well, a private that, investigator. Yeah, are you? That, is the, that is the tricky thing, actually. And this is why a lot of churches either remarry everyone who comes without any questions, or they don't do any. Mm. Um, it's not because they generally have a really black and white view for or against. 
it's that it's really difficult to frame a criteria. Yeah. Because how far, you know, do you ring up, do you ask for the phone numbers of the people, the other partners from the first marriage and ask for their version ask for of things, or, yeah. which I yeah. don't do. And so if, I, if you did, how would you be able to trust them as well? Well, exactly. So what I do is I talk to the couple. I often get the church wardens to as well, because I'm also worried about it just being Stephen Kurt say so. Yeah. You yeah. know, just that I'm playing God, you know. And, um but in actual fact, in, in all seven or so cases, I'm really delighted that we have done uh, you know, the marriage of people who, sadly, their, their, their first marriage um, had ended in divorce. Um, not long ago, uh, Susanna uh, Alexander and Paul Sloman were married here, um, and that was a fantastic occasion. And that's been the same with, um, with other you know, remarriages that we've done. Yeah. Yes. Well, yeah. in fact, Luke, if I come to you now, um, you were married before, yeah. and then, and then, sadly, that marriage ended in divorce. Yes. And and you remarried. You married Sarah, who who also comes here. Um, so that's really fantastic. But how do you respond to what you've just heard from Stephen? Um, do you think your your firstly your divorce and then your remarriage? How are they handled by the church? Do you think? I. I think re- remarriage, starting there, if you don't mind me starting there, I see it as a real gospel issue. Because our gospel is all about the forgiveness that God offers us. Yeah. And that God will restore us and give us new life in Jesus Christ. Which yeah. is a fantastic message, isn't it, to mm. us to offer the world. Um, of course, that offer of forgiveness is dependent upon repentance, which is where what you were talking about, Stephen, comes in. Yeah. Uh, and I regret deeply the breakup of my first marriage um, and have, of course, got on my knees before God and asked his forgiveness, as, mm. as I think is right to do. But I do believe very strongly that God is a God of love and mercy and of new beginnings. And in his grace, he's forgiven me yep. and forgiven uh, Sarah and uh, brought us together and given us happiness when uh, we thought that was not possible for us yeah. In, yeah. in that way yeah. and that's yeah. so fantastic but I think it as I say it's so it's, it's almost like a picture of the gospel yeah. that God is saying to us yes I know you've messed up your lives but I love you mm. and why and, do you think it has the church often handle it badly is it because there's been so much desire to safeguard the importance of marriage or is it because you know of less positive factors than that you know what has what has made the church you I know, think it's a mixture of things I think marriage is important and I do deeply regret the fact my first marriage uh, ended and when you get married you do uh, say to death as do part yeah. and I said those words meaning them very sincerely I mm. regret that it didn't happen uh, in, a, in that marriage uh, as you know it wasn't because of my choice but it didn't it didn't yeah. happen um, so I think it's quite right that we take marriage very seriously. Marriage is an important institution. It's important for uh, families, it's important for society, it's important for the up, uh, upbringing of children. And so I think it's very important that as a church we say how important marriage is. Uh, but in the midst of all that, we offer grace and forgiveness yeah. uh, for those who, who will come to God and ask for it, I think. Mm. Yeah, so, so you've talked about remarriage, and what, what about divorce? How do, you, how do you think the church handled your divorce uh, personally, and then divorce in general? In a way, the church weren't massively involved in my divorce. I think the breakup of my first marriage was a very difficult time for me, and to be fair, for the congregation of the church that I was a part of. 
and uh, there was a lot of difficulties around that. Uh, the diocese supported me at, an, at arm's length, I would say. Really? They were, yeah. very, they were very good in terms of they sent me the odd check and, <laughs> and uh, said, here, to use some money to take your kids on a holiday, and, and I really appreciate that. But I don't think they knew what to do. Yeah. Okay. And so, uh, as you know, I uh, ended up leaving the ministry. And I think when I look back, I, I think what I actually needed was a sabbatical. Yeah. Mm. And I think somebody should have said to me, Luke, just have a few months off to get your head together. Yeah. But nobody was really talking to me. So in that sense, they didn't really support yeah. me. Um, I don't say that in criticism. It's just the way it was. It's tricky, isn't it? Because there's the whole issue of the way church handles divorce. Um, and then, you know, amongst clergy, you know, yeah. how it handles frailty or yeah. things going wrong amongst clergy. And of course, that's yes. another layer, isn't it, of, it of is. complication mm. over the top, you know. And I do think that there's, a, again, a right seriousness about that. The Bible does say that we're judged more strictly, doesn't it? And I think we are called to live by the highest standards as far as that is possible. But of course, none of us is perfect. Yeah. No. And uh, so that balance has to be held, doesn't it? Yeah. It's something certainly that I hope um, we as a church can be, can be seen as have, taking a sort of compassionate and caring attitude towards. Yes. Um, the last thing I want is people who've gone through the pain of marriage breakup uh, feeling uh, rubbish about themselves. Yeah, more and more layers result. of guilt yeah, and judgment that often yeah. people can. Yeah. Feel, unfortunately, yes. when they, mm. I mean, church should be a, a, an oasis, shouldn't it? A place where people can come and... Well, what can churches like Christchurch do to become more welcoming places and perhaps more supportive places for people who have gone through divorce and perhaps remarriage as well? What, what practical things could a church do? Well, I think openness is, is important and I'm really glad to have this chance to talk tonight because, uh, as I think Stephen's hinted, it's... It's sometimes not mentioned, and I think, as a result, sometimes Christians haven't really thought the issue through. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think that's important. I always think of the woman caught in adultery yeah. as a real sort of parable that relates, uh, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. None mm. of us, uh, uh, of course, would imagine that we could do so. But of course, he then said to the woman, go and sin no more. So yeah. there's that balance, isn't there? Um, but I, th I think the church needs to talk about it, as we're doing tonight. And then I think the congregation will just be more welcoming. Uh, and uh, if it's spoken about, then it's not something pe think, people think they have to hide. One of the really interesting things was that when you became uh, curate here, uh, we had to, PC had to agree to it. And uh, do you remember you came along to the PCC and uh, you introduced, you know, sort of said about, and people obviously knew because you've been in some preaching here already. But then you went out the room so that people didn't feel under pressure with you there to decide. And it was unanimous. Everyone was completely in favour. But afterwards, I spoke to one member of Christchurch who's been at the church a very long time, been on the PCC for a very long time. And I said, if that discussion had taken place 20 years ago, do you think it, it would have been the same? And they said, no, I think it would have been very, very different. Yes. Um, and, and it's interesting how things have shifted that, you know, sort of 20 years ago in the history of this church, you know, perhaps in other churches as well, it would have been seen as a lot more problematic. Yes. And is that because most people have got people divorced in their family now, do you think? Or 
is it a sign that we sit more likely to marriage? I don't think it I is, mean, you see. I, I, I mean, I don't think it's a sign that the PCC was any less keen on the permanence of marriage, but there seems to be something that is seen as less I think it's certainly talked about more, yeah. because, you know, in the church I grew up in, there was, of course, I mean, it happens in, I think, every single church that, that marriages break up, it happens. Um, but when it happened, it was just completely brushed under the carpet, yes. like, almost in a bizarre way, like a absolute elephant in the room. Everyone knew that it was happening, and no one talked about it. It was really unusual, and 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 I think that was what was happening a lot in churches yeah. until more it's recently. I'm not sure why it's changed, well, it's, but I think it has. Yeah, I mean, it's a completely different uh, subject, I know, but it's it's a bit like if I do the funeral of someone who's committed suicide. I think it's so important that very early on that is referred to, so that it's not the thing that everyone's thinking about, and, and perhaps there, ha uh, you know, which isn't mentioned, and perhaps there has been a change in the culture of churches that there is more readiness to talk about uncomfortable subjects than there, there once was. And I think was. people, I think it's important as well, those who do have different strong opinions don't feel like their opinions aren't allowed to be heard either. You know, I think it's yeah. important in a church to be able to find ways that are healthy and loving to express the things yeah. that we differ on and hopefully to cut to move yeah. somewhere. You know, we, we, we'll all start at a certain place yeah. and I hope we don't all end up in exactly the same place we start in and, and what, we can move. What I find sometimes is that people who've been affected in their lives by the pain of marriage breakup, say elsewhere in their family, sometimes can be very upset with the whole subject being dealt yeah. with again or, or anything about the subject being being sort of dealt with. So it can be quite a complex thing to handle because people can get very upset in discussions about the issue and, it, and it's quite, quite difficult to unpack what they're actually upset about. Yeah. yeah. I think as, as, a, as a church, as the church, we have a, always a balance between holding firm God's standards and uh, preaching grace. Yeah. And right back in the New Testament, of course, that tension yeah. was there, wasn't it? And always is there. Yeah. And I think there have been times in the church's history when they've uh, leaned more towards the law side, if yeah. I can put it that way. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, there's been a hangover of that, I think, particularly in the evangelical wing of the church, yeah. Yeah. which has taken us a while to work through, I think. Yeah. It's a strange thing that in America where uh, American sort of fundamentalists can be very black and white on a lot of things. It doesn't appear to include divorce. No, it doesn't. <laughs> marriage, does it? You know, it's yeah. a strange thing yeah. that in the American church, it, it, you know, the evangelical wing seems to have a much more liberal view yes. on divorce and remarriage than, say, the evangelical church in, in England. Yes. So perhaps one way then that, that the church can be more welcoming um, to people who have gone through divorce is to extend that same grace rather than um you know Absolutely. if if, yeah. if god can forgive it then who are we to Indeed. point back at it but what are other more practical things that can be done for people who are perhaps still going through a divorce if they're in the process of it or have been through a divorce and then they uh they either join the church or they're already members of the church what can we as a church community do um to show them love during what i imagine would be a very very difficult time well, I, th I take Nathan's point in a way that all too often things are just not spoken about. Yeah. And I think we need to, whatever people are going through, go up to them, offer them a hand and, and an arm, uh, and just say, I love you, I'm here for you, how can I help you through this difficult time? Yep. Instead of hiding it away and, mm. uh, and not mentioning it, we should do the opposite. We should be the ones who go up to people and say, I know you're going through a hard time at the moment, I'm here for you. 
Yeah. Mm. Another thing I think is really quite important is that, I mean, Susanna Alexander uh, Sloman has now moved to Guernsey, but when she moved on, we had three regular preachers who had had marriage breakups. And I think if the church leadership and the people who are preaching from the front have experienced those issues as well, then I think in some ways it, it's a very big sign that that's not off limits in terms yeah. of, you know, and I think it was really important. I remember you, Luke, being very open in a sermon that you did um, on, um, I think, where the Gospels deal with divorce and remarriage. Uh, Susanna was as well. And, and I think that's helpful because yes. I think then people hear the person, free, you know, they, they realize that there's not a glass ceiling yeah. um, of their inclusion. And I think, I think also, similarly to what we said with the, the kind of mini flood that we talked about at the start, is that when a, when, when a crisis happens, when things go wrong, that's an opportunity to step into that with, with love and to yeah. respond. And, and I think as a church, rather than seeing uh, things that happen all around us as opportunities to just talk about judgment or, you know, yeah. righteousness or whatever, you know, to see it as an opportunity to meet someone right at their hardest point and to, yes. to offer whatever it takes to show them love. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, these things, um, these things happen. And I, and I think, um, yeah, talking about them and also... Um, yeah, engaging with it. This is this is happening all around us all the time to, yep. to people that we care about, and uh, yeah. Because sadly, it's over one in two marriages now, isn't it? I think so. I think when I was a kid, it was one in three marriages, and I think it's it's tipped over fifty percent of marriages now mm. break up. So, if we're going to be a relevant church, we, we can't ignore it. We can't ignore it, and yeah. we've got to do better than that. I think we've got to have, you know, probably not just a welcome for people who are divorced, but I think we've probably got to. Uh, construct our pastoral care and our sort of uh, you know our structures so that actually we are more geared up to minister towards single parent families yeah. and um, but also I think the church's responsibility doesn't just stop at you know we don't need to see ourselves just as a kind of rescue team I think also yeah um, we have a huge role to play in equipping and bolstering and helping each other in our marriages, marriages you know yeah. being, I, I think yeah. that's another huge taboo we kind of we all come into church together yeah. this kind of communal thing where we come to be one yeah. and we yeah. do it in our little pairs and we yeah. don't really express any vulnerability often and yeah. we we struggle we go back home and we struggle yeah. alone and, and tragically you often only find out in absolutely. church life that a marriage is a problem late. when it's too late and yeah. it's a nightmare because people have got so good understandably at keeping up appearances yeah, yeah. And uh, one of the th we are trying to address this because Katie Loughman and David Loughman and Paul and Leslie Longstone have recently put, been put in charge of marriage at Christchurch. Um, and they're going to look after the marriage preparation course that we do when couples get married at Christchurch. But also I've asked them to plan a marriage enrichment day every two years. And yeah. Tom and Helen Collins organised one of these not long yeah, ago, was which brilliant. was really good, wasn't mm. it? Yeah. Um, I, think it can, I think sometimes when something like that comes up at church, people can feel like, oh, there's nothing wrong with my marriage, I'm not going to that. But, yeah. but to see that every marriage needs work, yeah. and yes. every marriage is, you know, I hope and that we... And to not see it as a self-help event either, no. um, that pe only people with problems go to. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, you know, we talked about date nights, you know, finding babysitters, come support that, but by... Uh, Put a charity. bid in for your yeah. uh, babysitters at yeah. the charity event. Come to the cinema club. You know, I think. Yeah. I think. Um, I, I hope we. So you're promising marriages will be enriched by the cinema club. Of course. No. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
they'll also make you look younger. <laughs> Lose weight. All sorts of claims. No, I, I, just, I just think it is important that we really start to do life together. Yep. That, that we, you know, there's the whole no man's an island thing, but I think no marriage should be an island either. And yep. um, Well, that's, yeah, I mean, we say marriage enriches society and it strengthens community. And I think a lot of the confusion at the moment over marriage uh, and a lot of the problems afflicting it is that people now see marriage as totally about two people deciding to be together. And it's not really yeah. a communal thing anymore. Yeah. And that, that is a massive shift because um, that affects all sorts of things. I mean, on the, mar on the wedding day, you s the, the whole congregation says, we will. Yeah. I yes. think a lot of the time that's where the commitment ends. You know? yeah. Yeah. And I think people mean it when they yeah. say it, but we just don't even give other people, and I'm, I speak for myself as well, you know, yep. we don't, often just don't give people permission to, yep. to speak into our marriages or to, to share yeah. at that sort of level of vulnerability yeah. with each other. So it's not, an, I, I get that it's not an easy thing, but I, I, I hope we just don't have to be defeatist and say, yes. you know, oh, well, look at the stats, it's getting worse and worse. I think that we can be a part of yeah. helping marriage. I remember seeing a vicar interviewed not long ago. Um, it was Paul Perkin of St. Mark's Battersea Rise where they do the marriage course in quite a big way. And it was on Songs of Praise, I think. They had a special Songs of Praise on the marriage course that they run there. And he said, uh, I remember him saying, um, I think a lot of people go into marriage sort of hoping it will work, but, but not really thinking it's more or less down to fate. And he said, we really disagree with that as a church. We really believe that if we can help people to work at their marriages, and you know, then actually it can be, a, can be a different story. And it was a remarkably sort of positive but challenging picture of, of what marriage should be about. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, mm. it's something we need to be doing more of. Well, that's all we've got time for this month on Look Who's Talking. Um, but do remember that the, uh, the auction, the charity auction, is on the 11th of July. Plenty of tickets still available, so don't just come. Bring your friends as well. Yep, um, and see Luke on a Sunday for tickets. Um, and then the Christchurch Cinema Club starts on the 17th of July. Uh, doors open 7.45. Is there going to be popcorn, by the way? There is, and wine as well. And beer? Yep, yep, beer. <laughs> Should we give us a <laughs> <laughs> uh, so do come along to that, 17th of July, that's a Friday night. Um, but in the meantime, for more information about Christchurch, you can visit our website, ccnm.org. We're also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christchurch New Malden, and you can follow us on Twitter, at ccnmnews. But that's all for now. See you next month.